Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. The series that we're kicking off today is Can We Just Talk? Can We Just Talk? And it is going to be a six-week series on the topic of relationships. And so we're going to cover as many things as we can in relationships. Uh, Truth about relationships is that we all have them. This is something that we can all agree on. There are people in our lives that we know. know, Therefore, you have a relationship. And you're talking to them, and you're going through hard seasons together, and you're having to deal with struggles together. And, and sometimes it could be hard to know how to navigate all of the details of our relationships. But relationships are our greatest resource in life. Is that not true? It's not our money. That comes and goes. But the relationships, the value we put on the relationships, that's what really matters. And so we're going to lean into tonight the topic of communication. And the title is, Dig a Little Deeper. Are we really going to do this again? Are we really going to fight about the same thing again? Or maybe this one. Are you really going to go there? Uh, Yes, I am. Yes, we are. Truth is that we have these conversations a lot with people that we're in relationships with or with our spouse, and if I'm being completely honest, I had some of these exact same questions this week with my spouse. Uh, shout out to all the um, married people who argued this week. Any, anybody out there? Come on. We're in this thing together, right? Come on. Got to have each other's backs on this. It's okay. It just kind of means you're normal. Uh, we all have conflict, and you would think that after years and years and years, I mean, over a decade of us having conversations, you would think that we would be proficient in how to have healthy and effective communication. We should be experts on this. Or maybe you're 40 years in and 50 years in, and you, you think you would know by now how to handle these conversations. Or I guess another way to say it, you would think that we would be good in how to have healthy and effective conflict as well. But we're not. We're still growing. We're still learning. And I think that's true for all of us. I think we're all growing and we're all learning. I don't think there's ever going to be a day that we say that we have perfect communication. That we've arrived, we have the perfect communication, we have the perfect marriage. I don't think that's ever going to be the case for anyone. But I hope that we're always going to want to get better. So I want you to hear, hear this today. Um, you're probably not where you want to be as it relates to communication. But you're also not where you have to be. You can grow and you can get better. There's so much room for growth, wisdom, and retooling. Anybody in the house would say that I want to get better at communicating? With my, in my relationships, with my marriage, with my kids. It's okay. You can raise your hand. You can talk back here. All of that is really good. Our communication styles are a combination of our past experiences, current relationships, the season we're in, our unique personalities, and a personal desire to grow. So it's simple, right? You just put all those things together in perfect harmony, 
and voila, you're a quality communicator. I think that no matter what your upbringing is, what your personality is, maybe what you saw as communication growing up, I don't think that there is a good excuse for being a bad communicator. I do not think that there's a good excuse. Well, I'm just combative. Uh, no, you're a bad communicator. You can get better at that. Well, I'm just sarcastic. That's not true either. You can get better at that as well. There's no good excuse for being a bad communicator. We see the instruction in God's word on how we can have healthy and effective communication and conflict. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. And we're going to be looking, this is, we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture tonight. So I hope you're taking notes. I want you to take a lot of notes tonight. And I want you to go back and I want you to reference the text that we're going to be examining tonight and study them for yourselves. Matthew 12, verse 34. It says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Everybody say, dig a little deeper. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, and that has changed and transformed lives tonight. Father, we're thankful for your word. Thankful for everybody that is here today to lean into your word. And God, we ask that we would, as we talk about communication, that we wouldn't think of uh, only our friends or our spouse or the person next to us. God, I pray that we would truly be reflective tonight introspective night, that we would look at our own lives and that we would say, how can we be better communicators for your glory and your honor? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The theme that I wanna talk about is this. It's less about what you say and more about what you seek. Quality communication is less about what you say and more about what you seek. Everybody say, dig a little deeper. We're gonna talk about five, we're gonna move through this quickly, five principles for healthy and effective communication. Uh, first is your company is shaping your communication. Your company is shaping your communication. Proverbs uh, 18 verse 1 says, one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. Uh, first, as it relates to the company that you keep, I want to talk about no company. Pure isolation. I believe that's you here tonight, I want to let you know that you are never more susceptible to attacks from the enemy than when you are isolated and alone. When you're isolated and alone, you have nobody there to protect you. You have nobody there to protect you. And you say, you may be here tonight and you say, but, but pastor, I really don't have anyone to go to. I don't have the mentors that maybe you have or the, the godly wisdom around me. I, I feel kind of stuck in my own world of the people that I'm surrounded with. Well, I have some really good news for you today. You're no longer stuck and you're no longer isolated. You're no longer alone. At Pinewood Church, we have these things called crews. They are our uh, biweekly small group gatherings where you can go. Uh, we meet all over the city. You don't even have to go in somebody's home. You can meet people in a coffee shop at a restaurant. We have a meeting that meets at the buff. Come on. I mean, just grab, go for the breakfast of nothing else. No, but uh, you no longer have to be alone. You can join a crew. And yes, maybe your past is I didn't have anybody to turn to, but when you join a crew, you have crew captains, 
group cultivators. You have people in your small group that are going to walk the journey with you. You're going to open up God's word together. You're going to share the struggles in your life in that crew. And you're going to have people that are going to be able to come around you and speak wisdom over your life. The text says, one who isolates himself or herself pursues selfish desire. You see that word pursue? It almost seems like there's a process to this thing. That my isolation leads to the pursuit of selfish desires. You're like, you would would think it would be the opposite. It'd almost be like, I start pursuing selfish desires and that just naturally leads to isolation. I actually don't think it's true. I think whenever you find yourself isolating, you start drawing away from healthy and godly community, that leads to selfish desires. We see that even in scripture. And then we see that selfish desire leads to rebellion against sound wisdom. So as far as this equation goes in your life, where are you at in the process? And maybe you're here and you have a godly community. So I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking to the person with no company. Are you isolated? Be careful. You're headed towards fulfilling your selfish desires. If you're in the middle of, I just feel like I'm fulfilling my selfish desires, get ready, warning, warning, ahead, you're about to neglect sound and godly wisdom. That does not sound like a place that any of us wants to go to. Yeah, I don't listen to what, sound wisdom. If you're not listening to sound wisdom, what are you listening to? Sound wisdom is not going to shame you. Sound wisdom is not going to criticize you, and it's not going to speak towards your past. Sound wisdom is going to build you up. It's going to bring you around more and more godly community. Sound wisdom is going to speak God's truth over your life. Sound wisdom is going to say that your best days are ahead, that God has a plan for your life. Do you believe that tonight? You're never more worse off than when you neglect sound wisdom and are isolated. Let's talk about bad company. So maybe you're here, you have no company. Maybe you're here and you have bad company. Well, scripture says something about that as well. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not be deceived, because apparently we're easily deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. So let's just take that in for a second. Think about the people that you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with negative people, you're probably going to be negative. If you surround yourself with people that gossip, uh, you're going to be a gossiper. And you're like, that'll never be me. It's probably already you. And you just haven't recognized it yet. I would suggest that if bad company corrupts good morals, then good company corrects bad morals. Good company corrects bad morals, and bad company corrupts good morals. What company are you keeping? Think about your life and maybe where you were a year ago. Are you using the same language that you did a year ago, or have you seen a slow and steady decline in the language that you use? Are you becoming increasingly more dishonoring, increasingly more sarcastic and negative to the people around you? It could very well be that the company around you is corrupting your morals. I remember in college, 
early on in college, and just like it is in any other area of life, you're looking around the landscape and you're saying, who's going to be my friends? I'm an extrovert. And so I, I like a 99% extrovert. Like I, no matter where I go, I'm immediately looking around the room saying, I just want to be friends with everybody. I want to know everybody's name, hear their stories, and it's going to be a blast. And I was that way at college too. And, and you know, that, there's pros and cons to that. And and so I got to know this one group of friends and this one group of people, and they were a really lot of fun to hang out with. We enjoyed a lot of the same hobbies. But I could tell early on they were critical. They were a little bit negative. But I was like, oh, you know how when you're in some atmospheres, you're like, it's kind of the best I'm seeing right now, you know? And so I just was like, okay, I'm going to be the one friend in this friend group that makes a positive impact. Has anybody ever thought that before? Like, I'm going to be the one person that elevates the other hundred people around me. Does anybody, anybody feel that? I feel like that every day that I send my kids home to school. I'm like, you're going to be a light in the darkness. Go build a school. Glorify God. (laughs) Reach the school. Revival. And it's just like, God, help them. Oh, God, help them. But that happened to me. I thought I'm going to be the one person that's optimistic and positive and And then I remember things that I said that I would never say, I began to say. My perspective of the way that I looked at the world began to shift slowly over time. And I remember there was this moment where I said something, and it it, it really, it wasn't that bad maybe, but it it was not me, and I knew it. And it came out of my mouth, and I was like, you know what? This is not who I want to become. I've surrounded myself with bad company. And I left that friend group, and I never looked back. And, God, and I started to pray, and through a series of miracles, God provided a good friend group for me. You will sound like whoever you are surrounded by. You will sound like whoever you are surrounded by. And then I want to talk about wise company. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. So maybe you're here and you're like, I walk with the wise. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to check your circle. Write this down. Just write, you know, make like a circle. Put your name in the middle and then write people around that are the closest around you. What does it say of your future if you are the sum total of the five closest people that are around you? What does it say about your future if you're the sum total of the five people around you? And I want you to think of every area of your life, not just, well, I've surrounded myself with a lot of successful people, therefore, I'm going to be successful. Is that your mark for success? Well, I I have some people that around me that are, are healthy and so, and they're very athletic. So, okay, so is that your measure of success? What if you were the sum total? What does it say of your future if you're the sum total of five people? Check your circle. I want to help you uh, navigate through what do I mean when I say wisdom. How do you know if someone is wise? What do you look at? How do you know this? First, I say that you look at their priorities and relationships. If their priorities aren't, are in whack and a, and a drain wreck, not a very wise person to get, seek wisdom from and to walk alongside If their relationships are a train wreck, go make some new friends. How are they spending their time? What type of language do they use? 
And do they have the characteristics of humility and generosity? I don't know what it is, but get around people that have characteristics of humility and generosity and you will be blessed. That's a good circle. Being wise has nothing to do with lofty language, but has everything to do with a faithful lifestyle. So whenever you're looking to walk with the wise, I would say look for people that faithfully are in God's word, that are faithful in prayer and faithful in the relationships around them. How do, how do you know if you're walking with the wise? Are they living a lifestyle of faithfulness in those three areas? If no, I would say check your circle. I love this text. I love one key word in particular in this text, and it's the word become. Because I mean, even know, just like communication, uh, you're never the ultimate wise man or woman. You never reach the pinnacle of wisdom. If anything, if anything, true wisdom is the opposite. They're always learning. They're always seeing room for improvement and growth. We make decisions every day that will shape who we're becoming. And scripture teaches us that in order to become wise, you have to surround yourself with wise. Uh, Finally, let's look at safety in numbers. If walking with the wise, you become wise, then what does the scripture say about having a lot of wise people around you? Proverbs 11, 14 says, without guidance, a people will fall, but with many wise, with many counselors, wise counselors, with many counselors, there is deliverance. I love that other translations say that there is rescue. Another translation says that there is safety in a multitude of counselors. So the other way is you suffer harm. The alternative is that you suffer harm when you have bad company or when you're isolated. But the alternative from Scripture is that if you walk with the wise, you have safety. I I think that's... These principles, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I think that these principles of life should bless you today. These are basic principles on how to live your life and pursue wisdom and have good people around you. Number two, it's what you say and how you say it. Have you ever heard the saying, it's not what you say, it's how you say it? And how many of you know that is not true? There's some truth to it, but it's not true. Uh, How many men in the room know that if they look at their wife and say, baby, you look ugly today. You looking, you looking a little off, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) See, it doesn't matter how I say it. What are we talking about it? It's going to end in destruction. Isn't, didn't we just read that a little earlier on? <laughs> Actually, this, this passage says it even better. Proverbs 18, 6 through 7, it says, A fool's lips lead to strife. His mouth provokes a beating. Men, if you want a beating, look at your wife and tell her, You're looking ugly today. <laughs> a fool's mouth is his devastation, and his lips are a trap for his life. It is both what you say and how you say it. This gives us uh, what it means to have a reactive example, which leads to a beating, devastation, 
and strife. So I am uh, a very extravagant person most of the time, and this leads to me getting misunderstood. Uh, Earlier this week, we were at a birthday party, and uh, we finished the birthday party, and there was this table behind me. They were playing Settlers of Catan. Any Settlers of Catan fans in the house? Y'all should start a club, you know? It's a very specific group of people, you know? No, I'm just playing. See what what I'm saying there? I'm being serious. You think I'm being sarcastic. And what happened was is I, looked, I turned around and looked at the, can, at the, the table, and it was, it was kind of a cold or windy day, and, and they were just sitting at the table. They looked like they were having a great time. And very enthusiastically, I said, ooh, man, y'all look like y'all are living the dream. What a day. And Sunita's brewing with your friends. And I was just, I was dead serious. And she looks at me, and she's like, uh, what, I'm trying to think what she said. She's like, but basically, why you got to be like that? Why you got to be a jerk? I was like, whoa, I'm dead serious. I'm for you, okay? I love you. I'll play with you right now. <laughs> Don't test me. But it's very easily to get misunderstood. Uh, any exclamation people in the house? Why? Why do... Why... <laughs> How you doing? I just got done taking the best nap. I'm like, why all the exclamation points? Is that, hey man, did you pick that up? No, I didn't. You know what I'm saying? Versus, no, I didn't. You know, I, it, it matters, okay? What you say and how you say it. James 1.26 says, if anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. It matters what you say and how you say it. A a more proactive example is found in Psalms 141.3. It says, Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. I think our words carry way more power than we realize and have the ability to affect people's lives in a great way, to either build them up or to build a barrier in relationships. And I think we can do that really quickly. And I think many of us know exactly how we're doing it. We use offensive language. We use a lot of exclamation points. Or maybe we're really negative. But your words matter. Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. You're either building bridges or bars. Proverbs 18, 19 says this, an offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city and quarrels are like the bars of a fortress. So for anybody to hear uh, tonight who says, well, I'm just a truth teller. Maybe you're an offender Maybe you're going around actually offending people and building bars and making it harder, not only for you to reach them, but for somebody else to reach them. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we're never offensive. Let's be honest. If you claim Jesus is Lord of your life, you're going to be offensive. But my goodness, if we're going to be offensive in any area of our life, 
Let's be offensive because we're sharing the gospel, not because we're trying to share an opinion or make a statement or try to change people apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's be offensive with the gospel. Hey, we believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you wanna know him? He changed my life. Let's be offensive that way and make a much greater impact. Let's not build bars. Let's build bridges. Hashtag build a bridge, theme for the year. Let's talk about how you say it. Proverbs 15.1. I hope you're writing all these down. These are great passages on communication. I highly encourage you to memorize them. Scripture says that I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's good to have these texts memorized. It's going to make you a better communicator. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 15 verse 1. There's three ways that I want you to change in how you say stuff. Three ways. The first is I want you to do soft answers, not harsh answers. Soft answers. Proverbs 51 says, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. If you've ever been in an argument of any kind, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody comes at you, and you come right at them in a aggressive, big word, boom, it's on. But have you ever tried to argue with a soft talker? You're like coming at them, and they're like, yeah, I know, it's, that's on me. It's like, <laughs> What? Come at me already. I like, I'm a fighter, so I, I, like, I like to fight. <laughs> this is not good. Um, but a gentle answer turns away wrath is 100% accurate. It's hard to argue with somebody that's gentle and that has a soft response. Number two, selfless deeds. What? Selfless deeds? When somebody comes at me and they want to fight? Yes. Proverbs 25, 21 through 22 says, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. Okay, this, your enemy is not your spouse, okay? This is not what I'm saying. <laughs> your kids, that's not the enemy. But let's just let it carry over, okay? Let us, let's think big picture here. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heat burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. This is the best news in the world if you're a spouse, because you actually, this is, this is, Cynicism at its finest. You get to heat burning coals on their head by blessing them. So when somebody's coming at you, <laughs> I remember one time somebody, um, a neighbor of mine came at me with something really hard and they were really aggressive and they cussed me out for no reason and, and I was just, I was feeling hurt over it and I was outside filling up the pool one day and I remember looking over the house and I was starting to pray for them and as I'm praying for them, that verse came into my mind. It was like, when you bless people, when you pray for people, it's like heaping burning coals on their head. And I'm just like, Lord, I pray for my neighbor. It was like cynical. It was like evil. I'm like, I pray you bless them. Give them a card today in Jesus' name. Rain down. Give them a raise. I'm like, I hope he's feeling every bit of that burn, baby. Not the way you're supposed to do it. But nonetheless, selfish deeds. Number three, sincere prayer. Matthew 5, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Three ways. Number three, the, pur the purpose in questions and listening. Proverbs 18, 13 says, the one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolish and a disgrace for him. I think so much of our miscommunication in our relationships can be simply resolved if we just ask some simple questions. What do you mean by that? Why did you say that? Why did you do that? I think we need to change our attitude and our communication uh, from wanting to be heard to truly wanting to understand. Many of us just want to be heard. 
But I think a better pursuit is to be good with our questions and really try to understand. Did you notice I didn't say be understood? I said to understand. Why? Because if both parties are trying to be good listeners and ask the right questions, it's like a microcosm of understanding. But if one just wants to be understood, 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 I want to be heard, it's going to create extensive conflict. Uh, Assume the best and own the rest. It's as great as, um, as you're asking questions to seek understanding. Assume the best and you own the rest. What do you mean by that? Well, when you said this, it really hurt me here. Yeah, I'll own that. That's on me. I could have done better. Say it every time. Because the truth is, no matter what, it's probably true. You probably could have said it better, could have done something better. And you'll start to see that conflict start to diminish a little bit, that anger start to slow down. And then there'll be some understanding that happens in the relationships. Number four, it's hard to learn a new language. Has anybody learned a new language? Any bilingual people in the house that you had to learn a new language from scratch? It's hard to learn a new language. I've tried to learn Spanish for the last 15 years and it's, it's still no, no, no mucho bueno. It's, it's mucho malo, okay? I, I tried really hard to learn a new language. I remember going to uh, Colombia, South America and studying Spanish. I studied it for like eight hours a day. Shout out Colombia, Bogota. Um, big fan. And I studied eight hours a day. I was immersed in Spanish and it was still so hard to learn a new language. Some of you here today, you are so entrenched, engulfed with your negativity, with your foul language, with your cynicism, with your bitter spirit. You're so entrenched in it. I want to tell you right now, it is hard to learn a new language, but you can do it. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21 says, from the fruit of a person's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is filled with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. I want you to take um, wherever you are in your language and I want you to learn a new language, the language uh, that Jesus Christ teaches us, a language of love, a language of respect, a language of honor, a language of building one another up, a, build a, a, a language of sharpening one another, as the scripture says, in a godly way. Hey, I know you said you wanted to be this person, but you're not, you're not acting like what you say you want to be. I want to sharpen you. I want to speak into your life, speak into what God says about you. I want us to, as a body of Christ, I want us to learn a new language. And the last thing is this. It's less about what you say and more about what you seek. Uh, Matthew 34 says, from the mouth speaks, for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. That's why I said dig a little deeper. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody where you finish the argument and you're like, how did we even get here? We were arguing about the toast. I didn't know that you had a bad week and your boss did this and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's because if we're being honest, what we're saying is a direct correlation of what's going on in our heart and what we're seeking. The real question is, what are you seeking with your heart? 
If you wanted to learn a new language, don't try to change your language, change your heart. Jesus didn't come so that we would change our language. He came so that he would completely change our lives, give us a new life. And out of that new life, new heart change, guess what? You get a new language. When you seek love, you seek mercy, you seek grace, you seek God in his word, guess what you're going to speak? Grace, love, honor, mercy. It's less about what you say and it's more about what you seek. So dig a little deeper. If you would, go ahead and stand on your feet. We're going to close with a final song of response. The title of this series is Can We Just Talk? And I saw so many of you taking awesome notes in your phones and on paper. That's great. Uh, If there was anything that stuck out to you, I want to encourage you, this Can We Just Talk series is so that we can start a conversation here and then you can go out and with the relationships that you have, continue that conversation. So maybe you have been really critical towards a friend of yours, or maybe you've been gossiping about somebody, or maybe you've been really combative with your spouse, or you've been demeaning and dishonoring towards your kids. Can we just talk is me encouraging you to go to the relationships in your life and to look at them and say, hey, can we talk? Can we just talk? I've been this, or I want to get better at this. And we're going to have a song of response now. And during this song of response, this is your opportunity to seek the Holy Spirit, to seek God and to say, God, how can I grow in the area of communication? I'm not where I want to be, but I'm also not where I have to be. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the guidance and the direction of the Word of God, I can become a better communicator. I cannot build bars or barriers in my relationships, but I can build bridges and I can have healthy and effective communication in my relationships. Let's pray and we'll sing. God, we thank you so much again for your word. It gives us everything that we need in life. Any question that we have about relationships is found in your word. So God, we're so thankful. We're gonna continue to lean in, change us more into the image of your son. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.